0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of RISK Talks. Today, we're talking about the digital asset revolution. We're in the middle of a change um, with large amounts of data being provided to us. And from the RISK community, we're unsure whether this could be a rapid evolution or just a, a more sort of slow and steady evolution. Today, I'm joined by Francesco Roda. Francesco is the CRO of CoinFinance. He's previously the co-founder or a co-founder of Starling Bank, and he has 20 years experience within this area, including time at HSBC and KPMG. Hello, Francesco. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good
1: morning. Good morning, Edward.
0: Thank you for taking your time to join us. And um, I guess if we go straight into digital assets, can you talk to me about what you understand? And can you talk to me about, what what
1: actually are digital assets? Yes, absolutely. So um, that's a very uh, broad question. Digital assets—it's um, <clears throat> a constantly evolving um, uh, asset class. It started off with um, cryptocurrencies that many uh, of us have uh, known for some times, um, and I'm talking about bitcoins and ethers and other uh, fancy um, fancy names like this. Uh, quite often associated with um, um, Bad um, uh, risks and bad history because of, um, um, uh, I would say, criminal activity being uh, undertaken through uh, through these. But um, lately, there have been uh, uh, there has been a renewed interest by um, institutions, investors generally, on markets um, on these as uh, potentially a new, um, uh, very very uh, interesting asset class, uncorrelated with traditional financial markets. So something that's Um, uh, many have, um, uh, I would say, um, uh, compared to uh, gold, um, just like an asset class. Uh, But digital assets are um, much more than that. Uh, Following the the growth and um, uh, importance of bitcoins, uh, I think that um, uh, markets have realized and investors have realized that this technology is actually very, very good for many, many other uses. It's good for, for example, stable coins, um, stable coins are um, uh, effectively um, uh, some uh, something very very simple to explain uh, an asset that is um, linked to a specific currency uh, the dollar uh, it's a typical one and they keep the parity um, in uh, um, throughout their uh, life uh, so that the investor can actually um, get um, uh, a very very uh, robust and Um, non-volatile means of payment on a new uh, type of infrastructure. So um, the um, uh, actual uh, correspondent banking system today, um, it's um, uh, very, very efficient um, when it comes to national borders, but it's terribly inefficient when it has to go cross-border. So sending pounds um, within the UK or dollars within the US is actually very um, efficient and very, very cost-effective. But sending dollars from the UK to the US or elsewhere, it's terribly, terribly costly and risky. Um, And this has been recognized by regulators um, and um, around the world, but also by um, uh, the BIS who have um, effectively looked at uh, this problem um, from a a financial inclusion perspective. Um, uh, Clearly uh, it's an interest that um, this um, uh, is very important to, to make sure that um, economies can progress around the world. Um, digital assets is also um, the tokenization of value. Um, this is something very, very um, new and interesting that it's happening uh, today.
0: Okay. And um, I, I guess actually you sort of touched on tokenization. Um, I as a non-technical specialist aren't so aware of that. So can you talk to me through um, Actually, what
1: is the tokenization or digitalization of value? Um, Tokenization of value is um, effectively the new, uh, I would say, the new frontier of digital assets, together with um, something called DeFi, the decentralized finance. The two things go pretty much hand in hand. Um, With tokenization of value, we mean effectively the um, issuance of um, something which is akin to the financial instruments or securities on um, blockchain rails um, and this instrument represents a real um, life asset, um, be it a financial assets or be it a real uh, assets like land or um, a commodity like gold or uh, oil or anything like that. Um, the actors involved in this process are effectively um, the tokenization platforms, which typically rely on a custodian to um, provide the safekeeping, the custody of the real-world asset, if that can be custodied, of course, because when you talk about land uh, or real estate, it's um, registered on uh, national registries, uh, typically. Um, It does involve having um, the uh, technical infrastructure to effectively issue a token that can um, circulate and navigate through blockchain with the same ease of distribution and the same um, uh, lack of uh, frictions uh, that um, today Bitcoin has, for example. This clearly unlocks a, a world of opportunities for issuers in terms of reaching out to the pool of liquidity that um, potentially uh, existed before, but they were not um, available due to um, uh, the cost of reaching out to those. Um, someone um, some have um, said, and I think I agree very, very much with this uh, definition that, uh, blockchain have done for value what the internet has done for information. So with the internet today you can actually reach out to any um, um, piece of information that you could possibly totally think about um, and sometimes of course you get bad qualification that's a, a big problem that um, will uh, with, uh, with blockchain the same applies on ease and the same lack of um, frictions, lack of intermediation that creates cost and potential risk uh, as well. Um, clearly, intermediation is not um, just about that. We all know that intermediation is important. It's important for one very, very specific reason. It's important to make sure that rules, the rules of the game, the rules that um, underpin um, uh, a society, are actually um, uh, respected. So um, no um, uh, criminal activity takes place, for example. And regulators clearly are very, very keen that uh, these does not get lost in this new world of digital assets. So yes, we can actually exchange value with very, very little friction and um, very, very low cost, but we still need to make sure that um, this is done in a legal uh, and uh, it's done in a, in a way that doesn't expose um, investors and ultimately financial markets to uh, risk.
0: Yeah, I, I can see it's, it's, it's clearly being you know, uh, blockchain and all these sort of things, it's, it's, it's just evolved so much. You, you look back at the sort of data or information ages when you know, we actually used to have to look at physical books and now it's the internet and it's, it's, it enables us to lo- learn and grow so much quicker. And I think it's right. so important. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how things continue to evolve. So I guess I'm um, touching on a point you, you made there. So, what what are the risks posed to intermediaries and investors by, by digital assets?
1: Um, that's a very important um, question, and I think it's um, it's probably the most important um, issue that we are grappling with um, uh, today. I think the uh, the, the key um, the, the key point that I would observe is that with any big change, um, any revolution within uh, financial um, uh, services, there is a, um, a risk that comes with um, uh, the lack of sufficient information, the lack of um, understanding and the lack of um, uh, models and the lack of tools to actually uh, measure the risk and price it accordingly. Risk is not um, um, uh, purely um, something that we should avoid. Um, any business have to take risk to make money the important thing is that the risk is actually well understood and well uh, and properly measured so that um, it can be arbitraged in an uh, efficient meta, manner um, uh, for the for the business to actually be able to uh, generate revenues. This is what um, effectively is most important um, for intermediaries. Um, the, um, the, uh, the, the key risk is actually uh, with digital assets is, um, today, as I can see, is the um, uh, it's potentially the KYC AML uh, angle of um, of uh, digital assets. So the ability for inter- for investors to exchange this without the need of uh, an intermediary, so on a peer to peer basis, makes it uh, potentially um, a very very useful tool for criminals to transfer value um, in uh, um, in their uh, criminal activity and to make sure that they can actually launder. The proceeds of crime. Uh, this is one of the uh, key concerns that uh, many uh, intermediaries have uh, on the markets. From an investor's perspective, even um, if we solve for this issue, uh, there still remain um, the uh, issue of understanding what the digital asset is and what um, the uh, rely reliability and uh, of intermediaries involved in this uh, in these markets are. So. Um, it is actually quite complex for um, an investor to understand the uh, exact open operational risk that certain assets may expose uh, them to. Um, there have been several examples of, um, in particular in the decentralized finance space, of assets which um, on, the cert- on, on, on the face of it had very little market risk and very little credit counterparty risk because they were fully collateralized and um, the market risk was uh, lower uh, because they were linked to um, some uh, real-world assets. But the actual operational risk, um, due to simple facts like errors in the code underpinning that particular digital asset, made them a total disaster for investors. Um, one of the first examples was the, uh, the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Well, three years or four years later, um, markets have gone back, um, issuers actually have gone back and done exactly the same mistake. Um, one company was actually um, erased, wiped out completely um, in the space of um, a week uh, following the launch because of a simple, simple bug in the code. And this is something that um, investors have to be aware of and they have to be um, cognizant of. Uh, clearly, the fact that intermediaries could be um, lightly regulated. Um, it's another point of, of, of concern. So, um, um, you know, regulations is important because it's, um, it provides um, uh, certainty to investors that uh, the intermediaries are trustworthy, they are well capitalized, and they are working with uh, those standards that are uh, sufficient um, and um, uh, to effectively provide uh, the safety uh, for their uh, for the investors' assets. A lightly regulated market with um, intermediaries that are um, not uh, fully capitalized clearly is another risk. So, should the intermediary go under, uh, clearly um, this may uh, uh, result in a uh, in a major loss. But yes, I, I do actually. Um, um, I, I may I may ask you something um, from from your perspective. What do you see? Um, how do you see the markets actually? reacting to this uh, revolution. I think uh, we've seen that regulators are actually quite keen and quite uh, hands on. Uh, they have done a lot of thinking, despite the fact that these markets are not yet uh, material um, from a systemic risk perspective. But um, how do you see intermediaries ge- gearing up and uh, what do you see happening in the markets um, to um, effectively be prepared for this revolution?
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> I think it's clear that regulators have an eye on this. Um, I think, from what I understand, there's a little bit of uncertainty in terms of how this will and could and should be regulated. Um, I think even if you talk about fintech as a sort of sector, um, there's certainly going to be regulations that's going to be coming in, and certainly on digital assets and digital finance. I think it's um, maybe not round the corner, but it's definitely on, on the radar of regulators and it, it will be coming. I think it's more a case of when. And I think there's no surprise in terms of the fact that regulatory, or, or regulatory burden um, or, or, or the, the positives of regulation um, will be there. And I think also, hopefully, that will mean that these assets are looked upon as more stable and as more... I think sort of giving some validity to the assets from a more, you know, high-level perspective. Um, I think from what I've also understood, financial intermediaries, they're resisting some change. So I guess I'd flip the question back to you briefly, Francesco. Um, is is this sustainable? Do, do you think financial intermediaries can resist the change? Or do you think this is where we're going Regulatory and um, from, from a regulatory standpoint?
1: Um I think, um, personally, I am convinced that this is um, a, a effectively a change that has started and uh, there is not going to be any way back. Any, um, uh, this is something that will uh, pervade financial markets. I mean, we, we talk to, um, as a company, Coini provides uh, custody and settlement services, post-trade uh, services for digital assets, paying, paying agency services as well. Um, We work, uh, we try to work very closely with um, the existing financial, established financial intermediaries. Um, We have, um, uh, I would say, um, a degree of success with some, um, uh, less success with others. I see quite a bit of uh, resistance and, um, you know, the reasons for this resistance could be um, um, uh, of very different nature. So there could be um, a fear of competition, a fear that these new markets will uh, erode existing um, businesses that uh, financial intermediaries today uh, are thriving on. Um, But um, what we um, think and what we see is that the more um, uh, astute and the more uh, forward-looking intermediaries are actually embracing the change and they're actually looking very, very closely at digital assets. Um, We work together with them for um, the post-trade, which we believe it's the one of the key, most important component, because that's where your risk, actually, um, your major risk um, are are, uh, present. So the risk of uh, settlement, for example, the risk um, of KYC, AML um, issues. um, These are effectively very, very important um, uh, points to be solved um, uh, for digital assets to thrive on uh, the new financial markets.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Francesca. I think you've made some really good and interesting points. I think this comes towards uh, the end of our conversation. So, again, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, ideas and, and comments. I'm sure the audience will find this very valuable.
1: Thank, thank you, you for very this. much, Edward, for, um, uh, for hosting this chat. It was a pleasure uh, speaking to you. Thank you.
0: My absolute pleasure. And I'll include a link to your LinkedIn profile and Coin Finance as well. Thank you. Thank you very much.